0: Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Kansen. sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Consen is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Jennifer
1: Consen with The Art of Intimate Marriage. And in our previous broadcast, we began to speak about saving our sexual interactions, our sexual life, our sexual acting in our, with our bodies, saving it for marriage. And what do the scriptures teach about that? Well, in the broadcast even before that, we talked about Purity. And so go back, listen to those things, because we're going to kind of pick up where we stopped. We stopped kind of in the middle of why should we, and does the Bible teach, that we should save ourselves, wait until marriage. So this is a part two on Save Yourself. And we ended with a bunch of scriptures on the body is not made for sexual morality, that the body is for the Lord. This is all out of 1 Corinthians 6, and that when we sin sexually, we sin against our own bodies. So I want to emphasize something here as I start out this broadcast. Sometimes these very scriptures are used in ways that are very shaming. So I'm going to go over some more scriptures in today's broadcast, but I I want to just advise those of you listening who are trying to help others or even trying to help yourself, but especially if you're trying to help others maintain their purity, watch how you use these scriptures. It's important that we not use the Bible as a club. Listen to this broadcast. Read these scriptures. Read in this book. See, it says that sexual sin messes up your body. It messes up your life. I really encourage you, watch the tone with which you use these scriptures. The purpose of the last broadcast in today's is to really make sure we're grounded scripturally so that we can understand the teachings of the Bible on why. Why? Uh, Is sex meant only for the marriage relationship? And then when you're helping someone else, maybe who's, you know, maybe made some errors where they're not remaining sexually pure before marriage, just be careful that you speak the truth in love. That when, if you're going to use these scriptures to teach them what the Bible says, it's important to do that with respect and love, even though the scriptures themselves (laughs) are pretty challenging. So let's pick up in 1 Corinthians 6. Paul very clearly says that the body is not made for sexual morality. In the previous broadcast, we talked about how sexual morality in Hebrews 13 is separated out from the word adultery in that scripture, where we keep the marriage bed pure. And so Sexual immorality, therefore, includes all of the other acts of sex that happen outside of marriage. So that would include sex before marriage. Well, I, it's important. I want to emphasize something here. The body isn't made for sexual immorality, any kind of sexual immorality. So if you're tempted to point the finger at somebody who's engaged premaritally, make sure you're checking your own convictions about your own life, because there's all different, all many different kinds of sexual morality. Prostitution is one, pornography and masturbation is another, adultery, premarital sex, homosexuality, all forms of sex outside of the marriage relationship. And so I've had people who go, well, that sin is, we need to challenge that sin. And we do, but first look at yourself. Because if you're engaging in pornography, your body wasn't created to engage in that. The body is not made for any kind of sexual immorality, including sex before marriage. So why? Sexual sin hurts the body. That was the end of our broadcast last time that he who sins sexually sins against his own body. So God made our bodies and he's the one who knows best what our bodies need. And so he says, don't do that. It's not good for you. It wasn't made by me to engage in these kinds of acts. What's challenging about that is that, okay, that's what the scriptures say. That's what the the Bible says. But Uh, The message out there in the world, in the rest of the world, is exactly opposite. I mean, you go on the Internet and you're going to find people that literally tell you there's health benefits from engaging in sex. And so go do it. Of course, there's no morality attached to that. And when you look at movies and TV shows, boy, they make sex look good. So look at those messages from the media, from movies, from TV shows. Let's examine them a little bit, because what you want to do is you want to check in deciding how to live out your sexuality. What is your blueprint? What are you using You know, when you think about somebody that's building a building, an architect makes a blueprint and you build that building according to that blueprint. Well, if we're going to build our sexual lives according to the blueprint of the scriptures, then we need to make sure what that blueprint is and how much it's affected by what's taught out in the movies, out in the world. What are the messages that the world gives? Well, I'm just going to use, I'm kind of dating myself here, but I'm going to use one example. Most people, even those much younger than myself have watched the movie Titanic. Uh, most women especially have watched the movie Titanic. And, oh, it's such a romantic story. It's very sweet and romantic. And there's this scene where they end up in a carriage that's that's there on the boat. And it's a very erotic, emotional, very intimate scene, very passionate and intense. And it makes the heart race. And you go, oh, it's so beautiful. And sometimes we forget to go, oh, wait a minute. They're not married. They're not married. But wow, that seems beautiful. And it is. And they're not married. What do we learn from that? Well, the world, we, Satan, whatever the actual instigator of different things that are out there today. The world has made sex outside of marriage look beautiful. It's enticing. It draws you. It's romantic. It looks loving. It looks exciting. So it's important. Examine what you're using as your blueprint for what is exciting. And if your blueprint is what the world is producing in the movies, it's not going to help you in making your choice to wait and to save sex for the marital relationship. So watch, watch what you're watching. Watch what you're listening to and what's giving you the impression for what good sex looks like. You know, we don't have many great examples out there. So that's movies, right? Well, <laughs> a very unfortunately famous phrase from one of our presidents is, I did not have sex with that woman. Ah, so what's that mean? Well, it isn't an uncommon belief out there that sex is sexual intercourse. And a big thing that comes up with the younger folks that come to see me or that come to my workshops or that read my books that are singles and teens and campus students is, And this is even within Christian circles. Let me tell you, you yourselves have probably been having these conversations that bringing each other to orgasm when you haven't had intercourse is not sex. It's not sexual morality. Hello, it came from the leader of our country. People who we love and trust say that too, so therefore it must be true. Well, what that means is, is that if we reach orgasm and it doesn't include intercourse, is that Sexual immorality. In other words, it's really that question of how far is too far. If we're rubbing each other and bringing each other to orgasm, but we're still clothed and we're rubbing each other through our clothing, does that count? You know, if we have oral sex or anal sex and it's not actually intercourse, especially oral sex, that's a big question among young Christian men and women. Well, let me put it this way. Young men and women who have Christian beliefs. They'll often say, well, we didn't have intercourse, we had oral sex, and that's not sex. Hmm, okay, let's look at the Bible on that one. At least we didn't have intercourse, right? That's the questioning. Well, Ephesians 5, verse 3 says, Among you there must not even be a hint of sexual morality, because these are improper for God's holy people. And just a reminder, the word proper here means treating something with incredible worth, of high price. And he says here that when we engage in hints of sexual morality, we are cheapening this wonderfully beautiful thing called sex. The word hint here in the Greek, what it literally means is let it not be named. I find that super helpful to look at the Greek. You'll notice that if you ever read anything I've written and if you listen to any of my podcasts, I bring up the meaning of different Greek words, which I know, sorry, those among you who are biblical scholars and do who beautiful job with exegetics, they hate that when people say, so the Greek says, I just have to say, it just helps me have deeper convictions about God's intent when I read those scriptures in English. What, what? possibly is that word in the Greek. Well, in this case, the word hint means let it not be named. So (laughs) I think maybe caressing one another through clothing to orgasm just might be naming it. It might be the hint. It might be naming something sexual. (laughs) Um, We really have to pull away the blinders from the world's definition of what's okay. And look at the scriptures. A hint is a hint. So how, how do we stay away from, ha- how do we remain pure? We need to really pay attention to that very simple word, let it not even be named. That doesn't mean that if you don't actually use the word orgasm when you're touching each other, that you're, that you're not being impure. (laughs) You could take that a little far. The reality is God says, don't even get close. Another scripture says, don't give the devil a foothold. Satan wants a foothold. He wants his toe in there so that he can mess up your relationship. You know, it's interesting. Let me, let me tell you what, (laughs) what the school districts are saying. This is just helpful. Okay, these, this is the other end, right? We've got examples that aren't so great in movies and and so on and from presidents and so on. But listen to this. This is a um, literally from a school handbook in this area in Poway, California. And what it says is, public displays of affection in an effort to promote behavior which establishes a friendly atmosphere without causing others to feel embarrassment or discomfort unacceptable are prolonged or heavy kissing, fondling, inappropriate sexual contact, and excessive body contact. (laughs) Okay, this isn't a secular manual for students in a high school that let me tell you, I can promise you, I'm sure students have totally mocked this and laughed over this and because, you know, they have to read it and sign it and all that and they're not living it. And believe me, teachers aren't making sure it's lived out on the campuses. I can, I can tell you that one. But isn't it interesting? Even on a secular level, they're like, well, let's make sure that on the campus, we're not engaging in prolonged and heavy kissing, fondling, inappropriate sexual contact, and excessive body contact. I tell you, sometimes we can learn from some of these non-religious texts. I think those are some pretty good guidelines. On what to engage in before you get married. Pay attention to, to some of the, the things that are out there. They might be helpful in helping you with your own guidelines on what you want to engage in before you get married. How absolute is purity supposed to be? I think that's a valid question. Let's, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. That says, treat the younger women as sisters with absolute. Purity. What does that mean? Treat them as sisters. So Timothy, it appears he was not a. He was an evangelist. Appears he was not married, and Paul is giving him some, some direction on how to treat the younger women in his congregation. And he says, treat them with absolute purity. Like we looked at in a previous broadcast, um, Paul goes a little bit more into detail um and talks about those who are engaged that they, they shouldn't be doing anything improper. He doesn't use the word sexual immorality when he says, Don't do anything improper, when he's saying here, treat them with absolute impurity, he's not saying don't be sexually immoral. He's saying Don't do anything that even goes in that direction, in any way that shows any kind of dishonor towards that young woman. And I think that can be true from women to men. We have Paul's writings to Timothy about how he's to treat women, but this can be very much said for women on how they should treat men. Because I do have young men who come and say that girls walk up to them and offer them different things or girls uh, approach them and their girlfriends ask for sex and want to have sex. So this is not always initiated from the male in a relationship. It's definitely a two-way thing to pay attention to that are you treating your boyfriend, your fiance appropriately? Are you treating them with pure absolute purity that that uh, Paul talks about to Timothy? Are you treating him in a way that shows him honor? as a son of God, it's interesting because in First Corinthians 12, verse 23, Paul is using the body to explain how we should treat each other at church. And he says that there are certain unpresentable parts and we should treat them with special honor. It's the same word that's used here, same idea in Timothy and Corinthians, that we have parts of our body that we need to treat with special honor and these are the unpresentable parts what are those parts so these are the genitals obviously well how should you treat the genitals of your partner of your boyfriend your girlfriend your fiance how should you treat their genitals god says with special honor and so where's that honor supposed to happen well the only place that sex is supposed to happen that where it's honorable is in the marriage bed and any sex that any touching of those genitals that happens outside of the marriage bed would be treating your partner's sexual parts of their body with dishonor. So putting your fingers in places they shouldn't go, putting the palm of your hand in places they shouldn't go, placing your fingers inside of her vagina, placing your hand, on his penis. Let's be really blunt here. This is not treating those sexual parts of each other's bodies with honor. That's God's call. This is absolute purity. Stroking, grasping, all of that. Is that a hint? Clearly. So how do we live out that saving oneself in purity One of the things to remember is what is your goal in your relationships? And so if you're the one helping somebody to um, wait until they're married to have sex, one thing that's important is sexual interactions do cause a tingling of the body. They cause that jolt, that zing. And sometimes... What we have to pay attention to is what am I aiming for in my relationship? If I'm aiming for the jolt and the zing, I'm going to get it. If I engage in certain kinds of touch and certain kinds of caressing, I'm going to get that jolt and that zing. So ask yourself, what are you aiming for? It talks about in Ephesians 4.29. So this is just a principle. It talks about don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what's useful for building one another up so that it may benefit those who listen. So I'm going to do something kind of funny here. I'm going to put, instead of talk, I'm going to put the word touch in this scripture. And let's see what it sounds like. Okay, Ephesians 4 verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome touch come from your hands, but only the kind of touch that's helpful for building your boyfriend or girlfriend, building them up according to their needs, that it may benefit them when you touch them. That just kind of puts it all in perspective. Is the way you're touching one another benefiting them? Because the reality is if you're dating and you're holding hands and it makes you feel close and intimate, that can be quite beneficial for your relationship. If you're close to marriage and you're holding each other and it creates this warm feeling and an excitement for what you can have in the future as you hold each other and as you kiss one another appropriately, it makes you look forward to what you can have in marriage without causing the throbbing penis and the throbbing vagina. If, if it creates a, oh, I look forward to, and it benefits how eager you are to become married, awesome. But if you're touching each other in ways that is not beneficial for your partner, wow, think about that. Are you really considering their needs? Are you considering what's best for them spiritually? Are you considering, am I helping my girlfriend? Am I helping my boyfriend get closer to God by touching them in this way? That would be a simple, simple way to figure out what to engage in. So honor your partner by helping guard the decisions that you make as a couple to wait for sexual touch until marriage. So what about those of you who might be approaching marriage or for those of you who are helping those who are approaching marriage? So let's talk about that. One of the things that I would encourage you to do is pray about it. Spend some time praying about what you want to accomplish in your relationship and about what your goals are, even physically and sexually. Also, it's important that sometimes when you're trying to figure out what you should and shouldn't do to laugh about it. This is, (laughs) this doesn't have to be this big, heavy duty, negative process. It can be super, super positive. Also seek godly direction. Speak with those involved in your life who are trusted advisors and find out from them what you ought to engage in and and what are some wise boundaries to have in your relationship. Most of all, make sure you have a super honest conversation between you and your partner. Talk about what you want to engage in and what you don't want to engage in. And then if you ever cross those boundaries, it's not an issue of, oh my gosh, we've totally blown it. Now it's going to mess up our whole entire lives. Just go back to those trusted people and go, hey, this this is what occurred. Is this normal? Is this something that we should revisit? Talk about it between you. Pray about it. It's not something to... Have an overreaction to it's something more to have a wise response to. Talk about it, be open, always making sure that you go back to the scriptures in making your decisions about how to save the sexual relationship all the things that are lovely and sexual between two people to save that for the marriage bed so that the marriage bed can be kept pure, Hebrews 13.4. I do want to say I realized as I was going about this broadcast that I forgot to remind you of a couple things, and I'll just take a chance to do this before we end today's broadcast. This might be bringing up some questions for you. I would love to hear your questions. You can actually go on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage, and you can post, send me your questions on there. It actually has a send a message part on there. You can also just send them to my email and you'll find that at jenniferconson at yahoo.com, my name at yahoo.com. You can just send me questions that way. You can also get more of your questions answered by going on the website and looking at the blog that's there, everything that's been here at Bright is re- recorded there on the podcast form. You can go and listen to previous podcasts. Also, I'd highly recommend go ahead and buy the book, The Art of Intimate Marriage, if you're married and if you're single or a teen or a campus student or you're wanting to help somebody in that area of their life, you can actually buy Redeemed Sexuality. So you can find that on Amazon If it's before September and you're listening to this, you're going to find the advanced reader's version. If it's after September, you're going to find the final version on Amazon. Redeemed Sexuality covers quite a bit more on this whole subject of purity. It's got a whole chapter called Save Yourself. So, you know, how to go about that. Take some time to read more, to pray more. And then after you read, after you listen to this, go and spend time with somebody that you trust and talk with them about it if this has been helpful to you, we really want to encourage you. Can, uh, this is a listener supported ministry. Please go ahead, go online and onto the art of intimate marriage and you can donate there to support this staying on the air and benefiting all that here. So let me, let me close out today with a couple different pieces. Just some reminders of what we've been covering in the last three broadcasts. We've talked about purity. We've talked about saving yourself till marriage What? How do we use the information that we've talked about here these last couple times? Make sure, number one, to go back and write down and carefully read through all the scriptures that we've talked about and write out your thoughts about them. There's, make sure, too, if you're helping somebody else, please don't use these scriptures to hit them over the head. You might be a parent of a teen or a parent of a young married individual, a young uh, single individual, and you might be tempted to kind of shove these scriptures in their face. I wouldn't recommend that. Take the time first to examine your own views on sexuality and make sure that they're biblically based. And then when you do speak with one another, make sure that you speak the truth in love. Speak patiently, speak with respect so that you can help one another attain. This is vital. Paul makes it really clear why he says, flee from sexual immorality. And he says, why? He says, because you were bought at a price. Sexuality is incredibly beautiful and wonderful. God made it. It's worthy of great price. It's beyond price. So pursue your sexuality in a way that shows how vital you are to God, that you are beyond price. You are so valuable to him. And so the reason why we would pursue saving sex for marriage, the reason why we would pursue purity is because of how incredibly much we know that God values us, that he created us, and he knows exactly what we need, and that he did intend this to be only in this one relationship. For those of you listening who wonder if you will ever get married, I'm going to have a whole, or you're not married and you don't know if you ever will be, I'm going to have a whole broadcast just for you. So stay tuned to listen to that. This is Dr. Jennifer Conzen with The Art of Intimate Marriage.
0: Thank you for joining us for the Art of Intimate Marriage. Now let's be real, this is not a typical radio program and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Conson to address here on air, email her at Jenniferkanzen at yahoo.com. Kanzen is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N, jenniferkonzin at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you and if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Consen's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.